0: The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Bienvenue, I had to say it first. Welcome everybody to Sell Better by JV Sales, the Daily Sales Show. You guys know, I give you a moment to come into the room. I like this because you're probably coming off a call, coming off of a meeting. Change your chat settings down at the bottom right to everyone and Make sure you take note of the rules of the house that are in there, so that you guys know where to put your questions. Uh, please be respectful. You know all those positive things. You guys know I'm all about the positivity in the in the world. So, uh, welcome, welcome back to the Daily Sales Show, brought to you by Sell Better by JB Sales. Uh, we're here to bring advice to you every day to help you sell better. Let us know where you're tuning in from in the chat. That's what I kind of want to see right now. Change your chat settings to everyone so you don't get lost. Shout out to South Lake City. Yo, SLC Punk is an underrated movie, man. That was a a throwback that I enjoyed. Austin, Texas, great music town. I love the sound coming out of Austin. Yeah, I love that one too, totally. Uh, SLC, Boulder, Colorado. Yo, what's happening, man? I spent some time on your campus. It's an interesting place to be. (laughs) Shout out South Florida. That's my hometown, MIA, 305 till I die. Let's get this thing kicked off. We got a few people in the room right now. We're getting ready to go. Uh, welcome back to the Sell Better by JB Sales Daily Sales Show. We are here to bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. Today, we're going to give you some frameworks for cold calls that for for cold emails rather. So everybody talks about having a strong foundation. Uh, I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and I am joined by Mr. Anthony Natoli, co-founder of Revenue Lab. Thank you for coming back to the show, my man. What's going on? Pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. This guy's a wealth of knowledge, and we are going to share some insights. But before we get started, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we're definitely here to help you. The Sell Better Daily Show now offers a membership with instant access to our training and resources for you as an individual, for your team. Or you can go and check out what it is to do the team training as well. So check us out and learn more, SellBetter.xyz. Uh, Or you can scan that QR code on your screen. I want to give a quick value drop. You guys know that we like to put things in the chat that will help you right away. So today, I hope you're tuned in for this one. We're going to have a couple things for you. So stick around. Don't leave too soon. This is a cold email personalization guide from our friends at detective.io. So go get it in the chat. I love all the things that our partners are providing for the audience these days. I've got that link in there, you need that. This is how you wanna be personalizing in the new era. Don't miss out on that resource. All right, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at detective.io who just provided that great resource, and to Owler, as well as apollo.io. We are collecting some of the best tech in the business. We couldn't do this show without them, so thank you so much for making this episode happen. Check them out if you wanna start using some of the best tech in the world. All right, uh, quick shout out to you guys one more time. Hey, what's up, Pittsburgh? (laughs) I see you guys flooding it. This is how we uh, control the conversation and we make it relevant to you. So go ahead and fill this out. Uh, Let us know what you are so that we can kind of tailor the conversation as best we can. Uh, Let's real quick tell you a little bit about what you can expect out of today's show. We're gonna give you two cold email processes and show you how they work. Then, we're going to show you some data-backed principles. Uh, Anthony's got some great principles to give to you today. And then we're going to show you some real-life examples, some stuff we're actually doing that works. Let's take a look at some of these results right here. No surprise. Look at this. SDR, AE. Anthony, anything jump up to you right there? I'm not shocked. (laughs) Foundations for cold emails. We assume that SDRs will probably be the dominant position let's uh let's get into it here how do you define an actual uh a framework they found framework structure foundation like how do you define framework anthony most people will say that it's just a foundational structure but you have a very specific definition
1: yeah i think it's like i like i said here i'll expand on it kind of in my own words to expand on the quote but i really think it's like creating a system of accountability to ensure that you're not winging it every day, right? And for email specifically, it's how do you create that repeatable process to create relevant messaging for your prospects that ultimately is going to get you more responses. And you don't get there by winging it. And so having a framework uh, to anchor on is really important to be able to iterate on.
0: It's something that we can build upon. And the earlier we have frameworks to deal with, I think the better we become as salespeople because without those foundations, we can't iterate, we can't change, we can't morph things into the stuff that actually works. Let's give a quick foundational framework right here and expand on it as we move forward. Talk about this foundation right here for just a moment.
1: Yeah. So I'm a firm believer that if you don't have all three of these things, then you shouldn't be doing outbound to anyone. And so uh, with that said, it's not as hard as you think though, to get each of these three. So starting from the top, the context is simply why you're reaching out, right? It could be a number of different reasons for why you're reaching out to someone, right? Like what's the context? What's your observation about that person, that account that makes what you're saying to them relevant and why they would care, right? So again, these three things are go- going to allow the for the prospect to make it really easy to understand who you are why you're reaching out, and if you could help them, right? So number one is the context why you're reaching out. Number two, the problem. What problem are you proposing to them that you could potentially solve based on the customers that you already work with, right? So if you think about your organization, if you're reaching out to, let's say, a chief revenue officer, you've likely already worked with hundreds of chief revenue officers that have solved this specific problem. So when you're reaching out, To new chief revenue officers, you should be reaching out with that same problem that they've already solved in mind. And then the third one is some kind of value at how you solve that problem. And the goal when you do uh, those three three things together is that you're going to provide a very relevant messaging that's related to what most personas that you're reaching out to are focused on because you're anchoring on that specific problem.
0: So let's get into it a little deeper then because i feel like three steps is a little bit vague not every email can be structured with three really quick you know bang 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 and people go oh we need to know more uh one to three word subject line run down this really quick and break down the deeper part of this we are going to look at examples of how this works in real time in just a minute
1: yeah so these are essentially just like best practices again a framework that isn't necessarily going to be a silver bullet, but you need to iterate on, right? Make it your own, depending on who you're selling to, what levels, what industry, et cetera. So what I found to be really helpful for subject lines is keeping it short and sweet, one to three words. And you're right. your goal with the subject line is to pique curiosity. So they open it, right? That's the goal of the subject line. You want them to open your email. Next line, which is going to be your first line in the email, should be something personalized or relevant to, again capture their attention. So they're saying in their minds, okay, this is relevant enough for me to keep reading. Right. And then the next line of that email is a persona specific problem that, you know, likely that they're either focusing on solving or they're maybe using a competitor based on the problem that you've solved for people like them already, right? It's validated. You've solved this problem already. All you're trying to do is find other people like the personas who've already helped to see if they have that problem as well. The last line of the email is typically a value add, right? Either a case study, customer story, or a, a one sentence short punchy line of how you solve that problem. And then your goal with the call to action is basically to say, hey, is anything I just said at all on your radar or is it relevant to you at all, right? Before I ask for a meeting, I need the prospect in their mind to validate that, that they have this problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the uh, the interest-based CTA, I think, is complementary to how you solve that problem. If you're going to flow from this is what we do, this is the problem we solve, to this is how we solve it, I feel like, is this even interesting to you, is such a great first touch CTA. Now we've talked a little bit about the foundation, the one, two, three piece, then we went and you know, zoomed in a little bit more. We got a little more granular with it. But it sounds to me like this is all for just one email. What if we wanted to build a cadence? Tell me about your one, two, three touch. I just love this.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is something that I've iterated in the last seven years of doing outbound, You know, starting as an SDR uh, and most recent as an AE. But essentially it's um, the first email is introducing the problem that you solve, right? With that relevant first line, um and get a lot of openings but you know we we all know that it, it takes more than one touch to get a response so how can we pack a ton of value in a short period of time um while staying top of mind so after the first touch you want to send um a relevant bump email that is uh not just thoughts question mark or any thoughts question mark right it's hey any thoughts and then expanding on the relevancy that you mentioned in the first email. So you're making it really easy for the prospect to not have to do any additional work to understand who you are, why you're reaching out and why they should care. The last touch um, of this thread, and this is a three emails in one thread of a, a bigger cadence, which we're just focusing on the first three today. But the third touch is, hey, let me share an example, right? So first touch, I've shared the problem. Second touch, I'm bumping it back up So you, in case you missed it. And the third touch is, hey, let me share social proof with you of how we've already solved this problem
0: for someone just like you. I, I like this one, two, three. And I think, uh, you know, really, it could be a standalone one, two, three touch, depending on how transactional your product might be, your service might be. Uh, if your ACV is $1,000, well, that's like a swipe of a credit card, you know. Uh, but if your ACV is like 50,000, you probably have a few more steps after this cadence, right? <laughs> You're probably taking a lot more, more tries at it. But this one, two, three seems to resonate well. We're going to talk about some of the results that this has been. Throw your questions in the Q&A. We will leave time four questions, but they need to be in the Q&A. You can upvote the ones that matter most to you. And don't be afraid to take a screenshot of some of this stuff and share it on social. Anthony put a lot of time and effort into this, and we want to make sure that you guys are getting the most out of it as well as your networks. So be sure and grab those screenshots for this stuff as you're moving through this content with us and learning all the things that you're learning. Uh, Yes, I will pull up that last slide for you one more time. Uh, and I, w- while you guys are looking at this, and I'm happy to go back on some other slides too in a minute, but what framework is it that you've been using? And most people adhere to just one. I know we didn't we didn't talk about this beforehand, Anthony. But why do people become so loyal to one framework over another? Is it all results based?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think typically it's like what uh, you know, a new sales leader will come in and they've done this at their organization before and they'll kind of implement it. Um, I think all of them are great so long as you're talking about problems, right? I could be talking about Bant, um, but if I don't uncover the problem, then it's it's pretty irrelevant. So I think any of these are fine so long as like when you're prospecting, you're thinking about, hey, is the person I'm reaching out to, do they have a- an initiative, a problem um, that I can help with, right? Like yeah. that's mine. My- I mean, that's my methodology when i'm prospecting can i can i help this person
0: uh, one of the recurring themes that you will all pick up on this if you're tuning in today is be sure that you're clear about the problem that you solve uh that that's something that you'll hear us mention quite a bit let's run through it one more time for everybody so they can get it and then we'll flow into the next segment here because i i want to see these examples that you've provided for us So first we talked about a one-off email, the context, the prospect's problem, and how to solve that problem. We got a little bit deeper. This is a little bit more detailed about what needs to be included in the email. And then we talked about this one, two, three touch. So you can kind of see how this would lend itself to a salesperson that is onboarding or that's looking to adopt a new framework and see what works best for their buyers. This is touch one as an example. Break this down for us. Yeah. So this is an example of an email of me reaching out
1: to the persona as a as a uh, HR leader or people leader. And what you'll notice is that there's no like super hyper personalized nuggets in here, but this is a really relevant email that allows me to scale it across a number of different contacts in my in my sequence without having to do a ton of research, right? So the first line of the email is me making a relevant observation or context, right? The context for why I'm reaching out is sharing an observation based on my expertise in the market on the co- based on the conversations that I'm having. So it's like, hey, people leaders like yourself are moving towards this continuous performance and feedback culture in 2023, right? So that piques curiosity. It's an observation about this person's peers. And when you say that, hey, your peers are doing something, It's going to make you want to continue to read on and then i'll share the problem with this potential initiative right so um what's the what's the initiative or problem related to the observation i just made and then all i'm doing is because i know they're probably not going to answer on the first email all i'm asking is like hey is this on your radar at all like yeah i'm i'm here i i've heard this from people like you before is this also something that you're thinking about? And listen, they may say no. And then they may tell me like, hey, we're using a competitor for this, or "We're it's number 10 on our priority list. All of those are really strong uh, data points for me to know, and I can move on to the next and write that down, right? But by structuring your email like this, you're uh, intriguing a response from them uh, because it's focused on things that they're thinking about rather than here's my product, here's our features, like you have 30 minutes to talk about. It.
0: I like this because we talk all the time about getting pushed down to who you talk like. And if you're talking about features and functions, you get pushed to the people that talk features and functions. If you're talking about impact and growth, you're going to get pushed to the people that actually make decisions. Check out some of these framework results. I'm actually surprised. So about half of you voted and it's a pretty good spread. It looks like You guys are very familiar with a lot of these methodologies, these frameworks, um, no silver bullets here. Uh, I want to pick a random question here. Chris Smith says, would your fourth touch on the one, two, three, be your first phone call? Do you think?
1: Um, so I'll have, I'll typically do a triple touch on the first day, which is a call that email and a LinkedIn profile view, but I'm mixing in other touches for that email sequence yeah my fourth email my fourth email of that sequence is a new thread with the second problem statement so the first three emails are a single thread focused on one specific problem right but we all know that we can help solve a number of different problems for our personas and so i'll follow that same exact three uh like tree branch type thread but for problem number two so it's like hey i talked about problem number one We also help solve this problem, here's how.
0: This is good because you can move from value proposition to value proposition as long as you're following the framework rules that you've set for how you send messaging. Consistency I think is a major impact here because every message that we write has a similar flow to it. So our prospects become quite familiar with that flow, they almost expect it, right? uh i want to do the second touch and i want you to break this down and then we're going to talk about this third touch and some of the results that you've been seeing from this one two three which i really like i'm very attracted to i might steal it i'm just saying all right so break this uh, step two down for us
1: yeah so i mean step two really like it's the same idea as like any any other type of email but this is basically like a template that you can steal it's um like just talking through it, right? This is not exactly what I would say, but it's like, hey, um, think about when you do your account or contact research, right? You're looking for context of why you should be reaching out. So let's just say that uh, I do something to help SDRs and I saw that you were hiring SDRs, right? That would be by context for why I'm reaching out. And that would go into line one. Hey, I saw this trigger based on my research. Hey, I saw you were hiring SDRs, right? Now, the second line is what is a problem that I saw related to that observation? So we hear often this specific problem related to what I just saw. Here's how we help with that problem. Is this worth learning more about or is this a terrible idea to talk about? Something like that to say, hey, I saw this thing. Here's a typical problem that folks that we work with run into based on that observation that I know you're focused on. Here's how we solve it. And then asking them, basically their interest about what you just said.
0: Yeah. And I think it's worth noting. Let's circle back to that first email you mentioned. It's unlikely that somebody going to immediately reply to that first email. So the second email bumping it up. Um, and I think we, I think we overuse that phrase, a bump email, right? This is literally calling attention to the problem once more and it feels repetitive. I don't want to say the same thing as where we think, but the third touch is where, and I noticed in the chat, somebody did mention case studies. I think the third touch is where you probably see an uptick in replies. And that's this. these numbers are real. This is Anthony's data here. You can't lie, right? The data is what it is. 70% open rate is pretty high. 50% reply rate is something a lot of salespeople aspire to. Tell me why the second two things. Why is the, the third touch a reply to the second touch? And then how do we add the social proof? I think case studies is one example, but there's probably some others.
1: Yeah, so this third email is a reply to the first two emails because it is social proof to back up the problem that I just mentioned that we would solve. So it's like basically saying like, hey, don't take my word for it. Here is someone just like you who solved this problem with us. And that gets people to like, Validate that you have credibility and urge trust. Right. So, like when I worked when I worked at Lattice, we had a quote from the VP of people at Reddit. Now, what person that I'm reaching out to about a specific problem wouldn't pay attention when I have that social proof and validation and credibility? It catches people's attention, and what they what they start to do in their minds is say, "Okay, this is Anthony. This is what he's emailing about this specific problem." Um, and then what the third email does is make them feel more comfortable about they're probably on the fence of like, yeah, I know I have this problem, but like I don't really know this person and then that that social proof, that case study quote can push them over the edge or being like, okay, like this is probably worth learning more about if there's actually people out there like me who are leveraging this solution already
0: to solve this problem. There is something comforting about people who have worked with others like me in the past i think we resonate with those types of comments because i want to see the fact that you've helped someone through this problem it means you could help me too it's unlikely if somebody came to me and was like i've actually never done this before can i sell you this you're like i don't know there's some doubt there right like but maybe there's some excitement too you're like i want to be a part of it uh okay so here we go there we go reply rate was 50% Wayne I appreciate that question uh this is a question where do you typically see engagement the most is it the first second or third I think the first is probably a lowest number but what what about the second and third which one is typically the the winner for you
1: I'm typically getting high opens on all of them but like the second email um like it all depends right like you're not like we'll talk about this but if you're saying something that's interesting to someone, like they're gonna you're they're gonna respond if it's top of mind, right? The reason why people say I'm not interested or they don't respond is because like you're not saying something that's of interest to them, right? That's just like how it is. So like depends. You're not the goal of these emails isn't trying to try and convince someone that they magically have this problem, right? Your goal is to try to find the people that actually do have this problem. Yeah. So like if I catch someone um that is focused on this thing then that bumpy email like works a lot of the times um but maybe if i'm reaching to like a c-level person they may need that additional social
0: proof to get them over the edge yeah i like so it's really you, the second bad. and third i love no I, I figured it would be two or three that would probably have the highest yeah. rate of reply especially uh and i saw somebody asked a question about an example of social proof The case study is a good social proof you know if you can tell a story about a customer that's like them, and you can sh- point to the results that they saw, that's great social proof. Great question there from the two uh, two folks that asked those questions. Thank you very much. Uh, I want to give you guys a structure that probably is one of the oldest, probably one of the first real structures, and we train on this framework uh, for salespeople, attention, interest, desire, de- decision, or action. I've heard desire and decision as the D, but I think decision is better. Uh, this is the AIDA framework. You probably heard this. Uh, put a one in the chat if you've ever seen Glengarry Glenn Ross. This is probably where you heard this phrase from. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I'll say the same thing that John says, and we all agree. Don't watch the whole movie. It's a very depressing movie. But this one eight-minute section with Alec Baldwin, where he breaks down attention, interest, decision, and action... This is uh, 1898 St. Helmo Lewis, four emotional stages that people go through before they buy something. Uh, this can be attached to any long-standing outreach process that you might have. You need to gain attention. They have to express some level of interest. They need to make a decision on whether or not they're interested and if they're going to take the action that needs to happen for them to get to that next step. So uh, we're putting a one in the chat if you've ever heard the Glengarry, Glen Ross, AIDH field—that's what that's what people are doing right now. i would to take this down because I want to talk to Anthony about what salespeople should be looking for when they're trying different frameworks and looking for the points that tell them this is a winning framework or I need to abandon this; it's not working.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of you know a lot of people that I coach, train, mentor. You know, the first thing I asked them was like, "Hey, what is your?" Um, what does your product do to solve? Like, what problems are you solving? Yeah. And it's typically like, hey, we've got this AI, revolutionary thing, thing, blah, blah, blah. And guess what? That's what's in their emails. All they're talking about is that and their product, their features, their service. And they forget to talk about the actual problem that it's solving. The reality is, as uh, if you're an SDR working with an AE or an AE, you know that people buy based on solving problems, right? Like the decision in that AIDA framework is based on if they can solve a problem or not. And so why don't we prospect and email and call with the same thought in mind? And so like whatever framework you do use, you've got to be talking about the problem because that's what people care about solving, right? And you won't come off as like this, you know, to, to our, to potential buyers is like a sleazy salesperson. If you're talking about problems, because all you're there to do is, hey, I know uh, based on people like you that we've worked with, they've had this problem. I'm reaching out because I want to see if you also have this problem. If not, like all good, right? That's the mindset going into it. And when you start to be a problem chaser versus like I need to just set meetings chaser, you become very like less anxious too. Yeah, and you start to become like more indifferent to things you can't control. Um, and so like, I think that's the big takeaway here is when you focus on trying to find as many people as possible that have a problem that, you know, you can solve, um, prospecting and outbound like changes, I think for the better, um, becomes less, you know, um, less stressful, um, less complicated, not easy, less complicated process.
0: I think uh, one of the things that you said that struck me, and I was like, man, this is such a good point, I don't think we measure this enough, is you said we have to look at the types of replies that we're getting. If somebody said, and this was your example, you said, "If if if they say, I'm using a competitor, well, that's great. It means they qualify and they understand the problem that you solve. So that's actually a good thing that that's their response. But if they say, I'm not interested, and this was your quote, and I have to say, this is tweetable shit. Y'all need to go to Twitter and tweet this. This is tweetable shit. They're not interested because what you said isn't interesting enough. I <laughs> that hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Break this down. Why should we be focused on the replies? What kind of replies are good? What kind of replies are bad?
1: Yeah, the replies that are good are like, hey, um, I appreciate your message. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not the right person. So it means that they like understood enough what you were saying to know that they didn't fit in their responsibilities um and they'll probably be able to play in the right direction um objections like hey we're using a competitor love that one as it tells me that they already got buy in to invest in solving this problem um things that uh things that you should be looking at as a red flag is like take me off your list not interested uh immediate hang up or you know, unsubscribe. It's because what you said isn't isn't interesting enough to them. I mean, or they could just be a jerk, but like most of the times I like to take extreme ownership. So like if I'm not getting responses or someone's telling me they're not interested, I want to really take inventory of what I'm sending that person. Yeah. And like, hey, am I targeting the right person with the right messaging? Am I focused on them or me? So I think that's like, those are the type of replies that you want to look at. Um, And then obviously you want to look at all the positive replies that you've gotten and double down on that messaging with those personas.
0: This is all good stuff. Don't forget to look at the good stuff too. It's easy to get stuck in the bad stuff and say, I have to change this. I have to change that. It's harder to go back to your successes and say, can I do some type of this more often? So don't forget there's two sides to that coin. It's really important. You guys go back and do the math on this. How much time do you think people should be spending on building frameworks and testing frameworks? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think, um, like, I think we talked about this, uh, when we're, when we're prepping, but it's like, you know, don't get so caught up in like trying to build a bunch of things that it inhibits you to take action. Right. I'm a big fan of learning by doing. And so I'd rather people spend more time on becoming a problem expert of what your persona faces typically than trying to build out like, super well thought out personalized emails spend less time on that and more time focusing on the problem that you can solve and ab test right If you have questions on subject lines guess what ab test it if you have a question on an email opener test it because the only way that you're going to know what works for you is if you test it right there's plenty of people on linkedin that say like my way or the highway typically take the highway like because What works for someone may not work for you. And so you need to make sure that like, hey, what we're saying today, go and try it and test it against what you're currently using, because you may be able to find there are certain parts of the framework that work for you. So the time that you should be spending on building out your frameworks is looking at the data from the actions that you take. Don't spend so much time throughout the day that you're not taking any action. Take the action, get the data, and then iterate on it from there.
0: Yeah, and I want to point out that we are talking about the email portion of your outreach program. This is not this is not something that you would just set and forget and start blasting out these emails. There are other touches that are manual. Christina, thank you for bringing that up. Let's move to some principles here because I want to I want to give these folks some building blocks. And I loved these four framework principles that you try to focus on and that you've taught your teams over the years. So give give a little nugget behind this. How how is this valuable for sellers that are in this, in the room today?
1: Yeah. So I think relevancy beats random personalization every single day of the week. Um, You know, if I was a, let's say a BDR leader and someone reached out and said, Hey, I, I saw you went to University of Arizona and then didn't tie it back to what they were saying in the rest of the email, I would be very confused. But if that person instead focused on a relevant problem that people like me in my role had, I'd be more likely to respond to that email. So with that, I'd rather folks spend time on getting relevant context or triggers than finding about if they like dogs or what food they like or where they went to college. Because (laughs) people are gonna book meetings and convert to close one opportunities because of the random personalization. So, you know, if you can take the personalization and tie it to the problem, that's amazing, but typically takes a lot of time. So save that for your your tier tier one. Uh, prospects at your tier one accounts. The rest of it, you can find those relevant nuggets. Um, so spend your time more on more on that. Um, second one, indifferent tones. So um, you don't want to come across as like desperate or needy in your emails, and so you want to be uh, indifferent and and unsure. It's like, hey, not sure if you're focused on this, or you might be um, seeing this in your day to day. Not sure if it's a fit, but. Um, And then providing the context after that, it shows that the person that like, Hey, um, I'm not here to like force you to do anything like kind of, you know, couldn't care less if you book a meeting or not. I just want to see like if you're focused on this thing. Right. And so it's more of that confidence that comes across when you use those indifferent and unsure tones
0: in your, in your notes um, to, to prospects. I want to pause on optimize for mobile because i think it's complementary to bryce's question here and i'm going to go back a couple of slides here but you'll notice that our designers super intelligent we put this on an actual phone optimizing for mobile i believe has been reported to have up to 41 percent higher reply rates so yes one of the principles that anthony has been training people on and teaching people is to maximize the mobile consumption of your messaging so That is definitely hot news right there. You want to make sure you go back to all of your emails and ask yourself, can I create another version of this that's more mobile friendly to B-test against what I currently have? Uh, Yes, I will show the mobile slide again. Thank you very much. There it is. Uh, Laura, Aliyah, I appreciate that. Uh, So, Brights, there's the answer to your question. We're going to get to Q&A here in a bit. Uh, All right, so indifferent tones are not the same as doubt words because of what you say after the fact. So I tell people not to say, if you're interested, maybe we should connect. Perhaps this is relevant, right? These are doubt words because of what you're saying afterwards. But using this indifferent tone is relevant to what's happening internally. I liked when you said, you've probably been talking about this in your morning meetings. That is not the same as using a doubt word. That's an indifferent tone. That's a good example, right? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Doubt, doubt words show that you're not confident in what you're selling. Like, yeah. imagine if I was on a sales call at someone. It's like, hey, like, uh, based on what we heard today, like, are are you like, are you interested or not? Like, I'm not sure. Like, if what you saw today was no, it's like, come with that conviction um, when you're trying to like, you know, send off the email. But those unsure or indifferent tones, um, it does something in the prospect's head, which wants them to keep reading. Um, Like one of my favorite ones is like, Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but, and then, and then into your observation of what you saw.
0: Yeah. I often will create LinkedIn content or social content around something that we saw for. And I'll have people that reach out to me in DMS or leave in the comments, Hey, we just talked about this in a morning meeting the other day. Let's chat. Right, This is like real time sit that you can do that generates conversations with strangers, which I don't know if you guys know, that's where revenue comes from. So take the opportunity to do that kind of stuff. All right, I have one more thing I want to give you. This is value drop number two. And today, our friends at Owler have agreed with us that relevant triggers and the way that they're used are how we boost replies. So we've teamed up with Owler to make this guide for you on how to use relevant triggers in your sales messaging. This is where you fill in all that personalization that Anthony was showing you earlier. So go ahead and grab that resource. It is in the chat right now so that you can start using it right away. We're gonna to get to Q and A here in just a second. Before we do though, I always like to give an actionable suggestion for improvement that you guys can take away and start doing right now that will improve your existing framework or maybe even provide something you can think about as you build your own framework. Uh, so Anthony, this was the challenge that you put up for everybody. Challenge yourself to put your problem in the email. Put a two in the chat if you don't talk directly in your emails about the problem that you solve. Be honest, it's okay. I want to know I'm that guilty person. Sometimes I don't, I'm not clear enough on the email. Why is this the challenge you put in front of everybody today?
1: It goes back to what I said earlier. I think um, a lot of us are so focused on like booking meetings that we can dictate our messaging based on that outcome we're trying to drive. And when we do that, it's all about, hey, this is why we're so great. And when you do that, your messaging typically is focused on feature functionality, uh, your customers that you have. And unfortunately, prospects don't care about that stuff, right? They'll care about it later on once you get them in a meeting and more technical. But the reason people book meetings is because um, of a potential problem that they're focused on or they may not know about that you uh, propose to them that you could potentially solve. And so... Uh, the reason why I brought it up is because most people that I talk to, you look at their emails, they don't talk about the problem or the, the negative consequences of that problem and they're they're missing a big opportunity um, because the reality is the way people buy is based on problems, so we should prospect the same
0: way. I like that. Say that one more time. The way that we buy is based on problems, so we need to sell the same way? We need to prospect the same way.
1: We need to call people with this. Yeah. Like... You know, if I if I was an AE trying to sell someone something, I wouldn't be trying to do it based on feature functionality. I would be trying to do it based on uh, the problems and the, and and eliminating potential negative consequences. So I'm gonna when I cold call someone, I'm gonna take the same route, right? My goal is to figure out if they have those problems, um, and what the negative consequences of not addressing those problems are. Same with my emails.
0: I want to put a magnifying glass over this negative consequences content you say we have to state what problem we solve how do we also attach what the neg what's a negative consequence and how do we attach it to that problem
1: yeah the the negative consequences are typically like a trickle down effect of that problem so let's take um let's take for example like if i was selling a forecasting solution to like vps of sales mm-hmm uh, the, prob- the problem with manual forecasting is that it's a nightmare, right? But what are the trickle-down effects or negative consequences? Well, if I'm doing it manually, it probably takes me six to eight hours during my week and probably takes away time for me being able to actually manage and coach my team. And I'll still probably be left with a, a slight inaccurate forecast of the business. So those three things are negative consequences, which have trickle-down effects for the business. And so, when you connect those two things, you're not just saying, "Hey, forecasting is a nightmare." You're sharing why the you know the the consequences are a problem in the first place.
0: I, I like that we're, and it's, I think this is what we're saying is that you were quantifying what that problem is, and we're telling them the details around why it's a problem instead of just saying it's a problem, which is a very vague statement. Uh, and anybody that knows their ICP well enough can easily say. People like you have this problem, and it's an assumption, right? It's not—it's uh, not always the best practice. I'm going to launch one more question here for everyone in the room. You've heard a couple of frameworks here today. I want to know which one you're going to adopt and start using today. And now we're going to get to some of your questions. Uh, Henry asks: Have you tested the optimal number of touches since we gave the one, two, three? Have I? I—I don't—I don't know if I understand the question. Have you tested the optimal number of touches that it takes to get the response uh, that you're looking for? So we gave oh, okay, the one, yeah. two, three. So uh, what's your what's your average cadence size, you know, that you get a good response on? What's a good, what's a good number of touches that it takes for you?
1: Yeah. So when I'm I- I'm obviously mixing in calls and LinkedIn and video. Um, today say we're focused on email. So it's typically 20 touches over over like a 30 day period. Um, huh? I would say I would say like touch five or six, I'm getting some kind of response. Nice, that's a good answer. And if I'm not getting, a re- yeah, if I'm if I'm not getting a response, I'm, I'm probably not um, targeting the right person, or I'm not, They don't have the problem that I can solve.
0: Yo, let me just point out the fact that he did not say if I'm not getting a response, I am. You know, it's there. There, then they're they're not respond. The market is down. The economy. There's all these things that we say. It's much easier. To point outward, instead of going back and looking at your messages and saying, "What did I do? What can I change?" You you want to make sure that you're pointing that reflection inward to make a change for the better. Uh, This one's from Maxwell. Did it make sense to include the social proof in the first email, or better to leave it for that third touch? It's a good question.
1: Yeah, great question. Um, the the problem with putting the the social proof in there in the first email is like you're taking away um attention from the actual problem Mm. and so if i put the problem in there and then i share how someone solved it it's a very
0: lengthy email and so i'd rather spread out my touches yeah smaller the better especially on the front end of a cadence right i feel like small consumable content is a better place to start so i understand where you're going there robert says are you really doing your email touches formatted for cell phone as you've shown Yes, I think it's important to know that a massive percentage of decision makers read emails on their cell phones, so we maximize for that. Am I wrong, Anthony? You're not wrong. Yeah. I think that's the way. Robert, give it a shot, A-B test, and see if it works. Anthony, how can people connect with you? Where should they go? Oh, man. Uh,
1: lots of places, but the bl- best place to go is just on LinkedIn um, right now. Go on LinkedIn. I got some links in my featured section. Um If you
0: need any additional help, feel free to uh, shoot me a message. Good stuff. Let me get a... uh, uh, Go ahead and give me a yes in the chat if this was valuable for you. That's what I'd like to know from the folks that are still in the room with us right now. These are the new frameworks that we presented to you. Look at this, man. It looks like uh, your three-step cadence. People really enjoyed that, and I think that's awesome. I hope you guys put this together in a thoughtful way for your prospects. Uh, Since that is the clear winner, let's talk about a quick final thought from you what would you have everybody leaving the room with today that will help them right away
1: yes go go back to your emails and look at the problem that you solve and really make sure that it's the problem that you solve is in your emails and in your cold call scripts and if they're not i'll give you two really easy ways to find it number one go to your case studies on your website and look through the problems that your customers have solved Go to your AE and ask them the last three deals that they closed, who who was the decision maker and what problems were they solving, and then take that information and plug them into your emails
0: and let me know uh, the difference in your responses. Amazing. Anthony, I want to thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom today. For those of you that are in the room with us, you are the reason that we put all of this together. So here's what I'd love for you to do. Come connect with us, be a human being with us at sellbetter.xyz on the gram. You know, we make it happen there every single day. Sellbetter.xyz or sellbetterxyz on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is live. Go ahead and subscribe to that. And then at sellbetter.xyz on TikTok, we're putting out a lot of great content for you guys to level up. Remember that you are the most important piece of the puzzle at your company. The name of the game, the tip of the spear, the first impression. Without you, nothing can happen. It's up to you to treat your prospects right, do what you can to make them have a great day. And we will see you next time when we come to you with another stellar guest to help you sell better. Have a great day, everybody.